so many things that have to happen before we all start doing the work of, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, here's how to be a disciple. The presumption of the Sermon on the Mount and the presumption of the Bible is that you believe. And so for someone who doesn't believe, we can't just put those rules on them because it's not going to work. It's like a square peg in a round hole. This is Study with Friends, a weekly dive into the answers and questions we find in the Bible, the church, and the broader Christian faith. I'm Paige, and this week we continue expanding our apologetics toolbox as we start to wrap up our multi-series focus on the book, Searching for God. This episode is part of a series. You can get the rest of the episodes, learn more about the guests in this series, about the resources we provide, and the larger work that we are doing all at studywithfriends.org. Okay, so last episode, you asked a question, and I spent a little bit of time building some foundation about generational differences and some questions we have before we started the recording. Caroline was sharing some things that she heard from her own kids. So this is the generation like you're my children's age. So ask the question again and try to ask it in a pretty pointed way. It's okay to ask it in, in even in an offensive way. If you think you want to ask, does God hate gays? That's okay. Uh, just just ask, the, ask a question that's pretty pointed or you can start the conversation and I can lead you to a more pointed question. Do whatever you think would happen naturally in the conversation that you would either have or want to have okay i think i'll do less pointed so i can see how to (laughs) direct so i'll just ask like the same thing so it's like known that like you know all or like most christians are like homophobic sexist racist and all of those things is god the same way okay i'm taking a deep breath because uh you've asked a question that had something baked into it that hurts hurts me i'm just going to tell you the truth um so i just want to be vulnerable with you in that way um and say that you just said it's well known that Christians pretty much um, are homophobic and racist. And I mean, I could just cry hearing you say that because it's just so sad to me that even one person on the planet would have that perception of the faith that I hold so tightly, the faith that I believe leads with love and prioritizes love and grace and mercy, and acceptance, and adoption, and community, and fellowship is named after Jesus Christ, who died to be reconciled to me even while I was his enemy. So the perception which you're holding, which I I think is valid for you to hold, because unfortunately, Christians also happen to be humans, and we're all broken and messed up, and we are not doing a good job of representing our brand. But I'm really thankful. So I just need to say that. And you know, I you don't need to be upset that you've upset me. I just want you to take in that it bums me out that anybody feels that way. If you haven't detected it already, that's not real Christianity. And so that would, I guess, be the place I would want to start with you by telling you that I'm as grieved as you are by the idea that there would be a faith that was so hypocritical. Does that answer your question? No. Okay. Well, at least now we've set some common ground because... You and I agree that's messed up. (laughs) So do you want to ask a different question? Maybe I can answer a a more pointed question. You guys clocked what I did there, right? Disarming Mm -hmm. and just really, I mean, just be honest. Mm -hmm. Don't be defensive. Share your heart. That sucks that people think that. 
It stinks. It stinks. Mm-hmm. I don't know how exactly to phrase it, but it's kind of like, so like if that's not supposed to be the case, then like how is God allowing that to happen? I think that's a lot of questions. Well, like how is it? Okay. Yeah. So that's a whole different question. <laughs> that's not so, the way I wanted to phrase it. Well, um, let me let me help you if I can, uh, because I, I, I've had a lot of questions about faith and I'm, I'm at, 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 at heart, I'm sort of a skeptic. I'm really a skeptic. I am a skeptic. I'm a doubter and I am a show me person. Don't tell me. And so, I mean, that just shows up everywhere in my life. Like I, someone tells me something and I ask a lot of questions. I, that's how I process information. I need to ask questions. Like that's just who, it's my DNA. So I may be able to help you zero into some questions that you might be, that might be helpful. Can I throw a few at you that might, might, maybe we'll nail it. Okay. And let me know if I'm like, say warm or cold, right? Okay. So one direction that, that, that question might be going is how does God allow evil to happen? Okay, cold. Okay. Another direction (laughs) that that might be is, how can people call themselves Christians and then be hateful? How do people, why do people use the Bible like a weapon? If you don't believe what I believe, I hate you. I think. If you're gay, you're my enemy. Getting there. I think it's kind of like, what are Christians seeing in the Bible or in God to believe that and be hateful and believe like these things? And say mean things and be hurtful and be jerks. Okay, as long as we can agree that that's a super loose term Christian, I'm going to respectfully rephrase that question because of how important my faith and the title of my faith is to me. And I just would want to be really cleanly representing it at all times. And so I'm not going to call those people Christians. I don't know who you're talking about. I will say that some people who assert that they believe in the resurrection of Christ and the truth of the Bible also become combative over some of the moral and ethical rules that they believe the Bible puts forth. Are we saying the same thing? I said it a little differently, but are we saying the same thing? Can you say it again? Sure. Some people who believe in the truth of the resurrection of Christ and the truth of the Bible, I just didn't call them Christians, yeah. <laughs> also choose to use some moral and ethical rules that they find in the Bible to be critical and condescending Mm -hmm. and hurtful to people who don't agree with the rules and ethics of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Is this where we're at? Are we hot? Yeah. Okay. Nailed it. Okay. So (laughs) thanks for, thanks for getting there with me. I spent a lot of time making sure I understood her question and making sure that we were both talking about the same thing. Because she said, how does God allow that? I thought she was going into theodicy, T-H-E-O-D-I-C-Y, which is the problem of evil. And I was like, okay, and you saw me. I was like, well, is that where we're going? Or are we going to this other thing? And so take your time. It's okay. I think people appreciate that you want to understand what they're asking. I don't think people are offended by that. So it's a little tricky for me to answer that question because I'm not in the mind of that person. What I can tell you is that... The Bible teaches us to love both in the words and the deed, deeds of the person and work of Christ, that we are called to love first and love sacrificially and selflessly and completely and unconditionally. I mean, that's the principle of Christ 
and God sent Christ to do that because that's what he meant as far as being in relationship with his people. It would only be speculative for me to say what's motivating those people. I would have to chalk it up to really bad teaching. That someone told them that it's their job to rebuke and reform and reshape the culture using biblical ethics and morality. But the Bible itself, um, you know, unfortunately, some people cherry pick the Bible for purposes that let's assume they actually believe are good just to stay out of the realm of like criticizing people because that just would make me as bad as them being like, well, I'm right and you're wrong. I want to do that. So all I can share with you is really my belief and how I came to my belief and the biblical truth that I lean on to lead with love and not hate. I can't really speak to why other people are doing that, except that I think it's unequivocally really, really bad to be hypocritical like that. So I guess I would just say that I agree that really stinks. And, you know, I wish that I had a person in the room who was doing that, that I could understand what was motivating them. I can tell you a story. There's a there is a person in Fort Myers Beach who's famous for standing on the street corner with a megaphone and yelling hateful things in the name of Christianity. And uh, I think it was last year. Um, I don't think my brother watches or listens. I love him, but I don't think he does. He's a busy guy. But if he does, hey, bro. Um, and he confronted this guy because, I mean, my brother is in full-time ministry and he, I think, agrees with me and what I interpret the Bible to say, which is love first. And he actually confronted this guy and said, you are putting a black eye on Christianity and you are not preaching the Bible and you are not preaching what Christ taught us. And I, he came back from Fort Myers Beach and told me, I was like, yes, like somebody has to do that. Somebody has to say, this does not represent us. And all I can do is do that with you right here and right now. And I hope that other people will do that with you because that's a version of Christianity I just really don't understand. I don't know if that's helpful. I think it's like, I mean, that part of it is helpful. I think then it would, I don't know exactly where to go, but I think then there would be other questions of like getting more into specifics of like, like we could bring up Black Lives Matter. We could bring up, you know, like women's rights, mm -hmm. you know, there's like a lot of things that would take forever. Yeah, well, no, but that's okay. Um, I think if we, if, if I could um, go with a larger, you're going into subsets of like human sexuality, gender identity, race. I would say that we can do a larger work by saying, how do we then as Christians properly handle biblical ethics in our culture? Would that be something that would be helpful if I could just chat with you about that to cover some of the things that your biblical ethics and biblical morality. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that um, I know I've said to you, Kate, um, and I don't know, you know, I say it a lot. So it depends on when this comes up in your conversation with your conversational partner, but it's biblical to start with an understanding that we are responding to the grace and mercy of God through Jesus Christ by calling ourselves Christians and embracing biblical ethics and morality. There's a chronology there. So from a um, systematic theology standpoint, and I hate to do that, but um, let me see if I can phrase it differently. From a different point of view, we can think about biblical ethics and biblical morality 
as exerting itself really on Christians. And some people say that they're, the will of God is sort of twofold. This is what will happen. And that's, I never can remember the prescriptive or pre, I don't know what it's called, but, but this is, this is what will happen. So God ordains that like the world and everything in it is going to go a certain way. And he has a plan and he's going to see it through. That's that. He's all powerful. That's happening. Then there's what should happen, that God wills that his people function according to the ways that he knows it's best for them to live. It really comes back to like, I kind of call it an owner's manual. Like if we believe that God created us, then wouldn't he have the way and know the best way for the machine to operate? And so I think that's where people get a little jammed up because they say, hey, you outside of the church, you don't believe in God at all. But this is the owner's manual and you're not following it and you, you need to. It's a, it's a, um, it's putting the cart before the horse because if a person doesn't really believe that God created them, that faith is a thing, that Jesus was a thing, that like there's so many things that have to happen before we all start doing the work of, you know, the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, here's how to be a disciple. The presumption of the Sermon on the Mount and the presumption of the Bible is that you believe. And so for someone who doesn't believe, we can't just put those rules on them because it's not going to work. It's like a square peg in a round hole. They have to decide to shave those corners off and say, I am now a round peg and I will go into this round hole. Until then, they are working in opposition to what God has laid out in his Bible. And you're not going to like megaphone them into accepting the love and grace of Jesus Christ that is transformative. And so I guess some people might think that's a soft approach, but it's just, I mean, I just don't know anybody who came to faith at the other end of a megaphone. I don't know them. Maybe they did, (laughs) but um, there's a lot of people on the planet I don't know. So maybe they did, but it's been my experience that people come to a loving relationship with Christ through a loving relationship with a person. And I got to lead with love. I got to love you first. And then guess what? If you are lacking in any way in sexual ethics, which by the way, I'm just going to say, this is my opinion, we wrongly prioritize um, homosexuality, but the Bible is way more vocal about adultery. This is all sexual sin, according to God's owner's manual. And so let him deal with it. You work on persuading that person and, and helping that person see the difference that God has made I mean, I want to show you the God, the difference God has made in my life and give you my personal testimony. And if that's persuasive to you, then let's talk later about what that does in the rest of your life. But this is critical. Do you believe that Jesus did what I believe he did on the cross and what that means for your life? If not, let's just talk all that through. The ethics come in my mind. They come at the end. Okay. I don't think you should be like running around killing people in the meantime. Just don't do that. But, <laughs> but the rest of it, it's it, it, the fancy word that Christians use is sanctification. It's we're all going through it. I still do. I still do things that are against God's will today being a Christian for years and years and years. So how can I criticize somebody else? The, the Bible itself says, take the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of somebody else's. So for me, I'm not avoiding the question. I'm just saying it's not for me to deal with that in a person. It's for me to show the truth of what Jesus did in my life and how transformative that was and how much a better life I have, how much better my relationships are with people, my friends, my family, my kids. My life is just better because it's been transformed by Christ. And he decided the order of operations of what he was going to work on in my life. 
he decided. It's not for somebody else to decide what he what I should be working on first that's that the Bible calls sin. I mean, I'm still working on so much. So much. Right now, I'm working on not being prideful in this conversation and saying that's just wrong and I'm right. I'm working on that while you're watching me. <laughs> so how could I say someone else is wrong when I when when God says let me work out what's wrong in you. And I think it's easy for humans to point the finger away from them and hard for them to point the finger at themselves. But the Bible calls us to stand up and say ourselves first. We are broken in need of a savior. I don't know if that helps. I think it was good. I think I have other things. I don't know if we would get into them today, but like questions that like I've been asked and then questions that also like I've had as well. Let's do it. So is that okay? Absolutely. So before we do it, can we just any conversation about like, what did you notice? What did I do wrong? I didn't ask a lot of questions because that was a heavy one and it required much more disarming than deconstructing. So I chose that route of like, yeah, that I hate that too with you. Common ground. We hate that. And, and then I also tried to stay isolated and independent. And here's what I believe. Here's what I've experienced. And all I can tell you is what I think we should do with biblical ethics. I can't, it's so far from my understanding why they're doing that. I cannot explain it to you. It's so far from my understanding of the the faith that I profess. I can't explain it to you. It was almost all disarming, which is a little bit different when it comes to biblical ethics. And also again, Gen Z, who's really self-aware, really about mental health stuff. Like it's a different approach, common ground, understanding, validating. And she talked about church hurt. She talked about hate. She used the word hate. You got to tread lightly there because some, this person is like, does God hate me? That's the root question. Does God hate me? Does God hate my best friend? What do I do with that? Mm -hmm. Whether I'm a Christian or not, I got to choose between God and my best friend. I know my best friend. I don't know God. I'm choosing my best friend. So you got to be really just patient. And, you know, we haven't talked at all about like church hurt and people who come to these conversations with, with pain that's actually been afflicted by the church people who have left the church, but that's dabbled in it a little bit. I don't know. Did you find it helpful or useless? No, I I found it helpful for sure. Because, and and like, you're not always going to have the answer, you know, and and I kind of tossed out my experience recent Mm -hmm. with my son, who's very black and white. There's no gray area with this particular child at all. (laughs) So coming home from a youth group meeting and saying, I just can't wrap my head around concept of surrounding myself with people that share my faith because so-and-so doesn't believe mm-hmm. and so-and-so is not really sure if he's homosexual or not so can I not be their friend you know like it's it was this whole and I I grappled I really did so this is this was helpful to me because it's it's like you know what gosh I don't know how to answer that but let's so can I give you a little bit of just yeah. a nugget for that one John 17 so I'm now I'm jumping into the Bible because I know you and your son believe in the Bible. So I'm just going to say, John 17 said, Jesus himself says, live in the world, but not of the world. What he means is, yes, be friends with them. In the Sermon on the Mount, he says, let your light shine before others. Be salt that seasons the culture. He calls us to be friends and in relationship with people who don't believe, which is an overarching message Mm -hmm. on this topic. We should not be artificially insulated. Then how are we being used by God? Like, that's not good. 
the challenge is finding people who you mentors and peers who you who will strengthen your faith because going out into the wild west of a group of people who don't believe in God is a heavy work and you need to be built up for it and you need to be re-energized and recharged when you've done it and you need to be able to come back to somebody or a group of people and ask the questions that come up there. This is all the same conversation. But we are called, not only should you be friends, not only should you not not be friends with them, you should be friends with them. And in fact, you are commanded to be in relationship with them. You will be my witnesses to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. We are commanded, go and make disciples of all people. Can't do that if you only surround yourself with people who believe exactly what you believe. Right. This is a whole nother thing because the culture is a mess in that way. We all have become very insular. Mm -hmm. We only are friends with people who believe what we believe. We only talk to people who believe it. It's an echo chamber. We live in an echo chamber. Yeah. And I would strongly discourage with, I think I just did five or seven Bible verses, mm -hmm. That's not what God is calling us to do. In fact, he commands us to do the opposite. The question is, how do we do that without losing our own footing? Right. And that means you, you have to have a strong tribe of people who do believe and understand and can defend and can help you answer. And that, that, that it's again, it's about doing the work because, okay, so your son has a youth group. That means he has a youth pastor. There's a place. The youth group, the other people in youth group probably dealing with the same thing mm -hmm. in high school, middle school, like this is hard. So keep that tribe, come back to that well, but go live in the world, but figure out how to not be of the world. You go to the, you go to, this was something for me in my adult life. We would go out with a group of friends and, uh, none of them were Christians <laughs> and it was, uh, booze fest and, uh, that's, I mean, it was like, okay, I often would lose my footing and become drunk <laughs> because everybody around me was drinking. And I had to preset myself and be like, okay, this group holds to a normal of this Saturday, we are all getting drunk. Mm. And I have to go in, live in the world but not of it. So I can have a glass of wine, but when I start to feel myself getting drunk, it's time to stop. So I'm living in the world. I'm not being holier than thou. I might be like, I don't drink because I love Jesus. I, I just go in. I have that social time because that is relational with people who don't believe. And I can show them that we are not in opposition. I am enjoying your company. We are having dinner and I'm having a glass of wine and I need to know my own limits. I'm self-responsible. Like, so this was about me really having to realize I was falling down and not being a good witness for Christ because I was, you know, getting drunk and all the things that happen after that, uh, language starts to slip, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So it's all bad. Uh, and then, I had to sort of preset myself and be like, okay, how do I approach that situation in a Christ honoring way? How do I embody living in the world, but not of the world in that group of friends? And I just had to figure it out. I had to do the work. And so that's a thing. It's, you know, and that's a sanctification thing. It's a fancy word. It's Jesus working out in me the things that I was not, that I was doing that weren't in accordance with his word.
This program is produced by Study with Friends. Learn more about us at studywithfriends.org and sign up there for email devotionals or download our Bible studies for free. If you are blessed by our work, please consider supporting our ministry with a donation. We believe in the local church. Please find a congregation where you can plug in and experience all aspects of the Christian life. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time when we study with friends.